Okay, welcome today, a week later than Rachel Fans. Today we are joined by Nicole, who's the founder of Vita5, who produce vitamin-based gummy supplements, and we're going to talk about consumer packaged goods, stronger business on the D2C side, and also in retail as well. So Nick, thank you very much for joining us. Why don't you give us a brief background into how you started the brand and where you're at to date? Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. Um, we've had quite a wild ride. We, Garrett and myself, we started this business when we were back in college. It was 2015, started as an idea. Um, it actually started as customized pill pouches. So there's companies out there today like Kara, Persona, some of those are like the bigger ones. Um, there was a couple back then that were like just very small. Um, started it like that. There was no customization on the back of the pack or anything like that. Later, we kind of uh, changed the idea over um, to doing all gummy vitamins, all direct consumer on a monthly subscription basis. Uh, launched the business live in early 2016. First day, we got 33 sales and we were on top of the world. We were like, this is just the beginning. We're going to be millionaires by the time we're 22. And we're just like, you know, loving it. Day two, it was seven sales. It's like, that's okay. Maybe it was just a bigger start. Um, day three, four, five, max of three sales a day. We weren't looking at who the customers were. Sure enough, a week later, we were getting maybe one sale a day. And then we go in and look at who the people are buying and it's all Garrett and my family. And so we had, I think one real customer. I don't even know how they found us. It was probably a friend of a friend um, that felt forced into buying. And about six months, like, you know, rent, wash, repeat for six months straight, we were getting no joke, like one to two sales a day. It was absolutely, or sorry, in the beginning, it was like two sales a week. And then it became like maybe one to two sales a day towards the end of the six months. Then we really started figuring things out. There was like a thousand things that we had started to do differently, um, changed up our site, our marketing. Remind, uh, this is like late 2016, early 2017. And then we really started to figure things out. Like our funnel was fixed. We we're now using stuff like Shopify. Um, our ads were substantially better. And we started getting like really good acquisition costs at that point. Then we grew from, you know, 100 family friends is what I'll call it, to over 4,000 members less than like 12 months later. And um, what was interesting, everything back then was these daily pouches that had your name on the back. Um, and we hit this point of like diminishing returns, right? Like you'll see with a lot of companies, you see Care of, Ritual, um, a lot of these D2C only brands where they have a couple different ways of going. And they have one way of raising a ton of money. So I think virtual and, or sorry, Kara uh, raised something like 80 million, 80 something million, and they've grown like crazy. Um, they got acquired and now they're actually in retail. Um, or you see other companies like Smarty Pants, Ollie, you know, with an R space, Zarbies, they raise a little bit of money, but um, they really are raising just a little bit to get like the inventory and then they go retail a more organic route. And so we decided, let's go ahead and go the more organic route of, retail. And so in early 2019, we launched our first retailers. Um, by the end of 2019, we had like 500 retailers in 2020. Last year, we had about 5,000. Now we've got about 6,500 retailers throughout the nation. So today we're in anything from, you know, your targets, Walgreens, Kroger, um, Rite Aid, kind of all around. Um, and, and, you know, we're focusing on Amazon, our website a little bit as well as the uh, retail channels as well. But 
you know, we we feel like we've gotten an MBA through different times with D2C as one, Amazon as another, and retail as another. Very um, crazy ride today. It's a few things I want to ask you, actually. So you came straight out of college and you started this company. Where, like, obviously you bootstrapped it. Like, what did you do in terms of, like, funding for the initial costs? And when did you... Do you, do you ever feel as though you missed out or maybe not going into like some type of job straight away? Or was it just a case of you always knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur and start your own thing? Yeah, a couple things. Um, the first is I felt like I was missing out in the beginning days because I was missing out on a whole lot of salary. My first year I made $7,000. My second year I made $17,000. So back then I was like, you know, I would have traded with anyone. Nowadays, I wouldn't trade with most anyone. I know, yeah. I know the security of my job. I'm able to make a reasonable salary. Um, I love what I do every single day. Um, but in, in the early days, in terms of the raising money, we did raise a bit of money, um, six figures, nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, and and that was mainly from like family friends. So got it. And um, you said, like, obviously there was a. A turning point where things starts to pick up traction and you got actual customers as opposed to family and friends when was that <laughs> what, was, what was the key to like cracking that yeah i mean like if, if i wanted to narrow it down because i know everyone likes to hear like oh it was one thing the reality is it wasn't one thing it was no joke hundreds of things that we were changing on a weekly basis or whatever the biggest thing though was just making sure that our funnel was super super easy to get through so um, fortunately, if anyone's going and starting a site nowadays, they're likely going to hop on a Shopify. There's a couple other platforms they may use, but Shopify is their, the usual one that everyone uses. And fortunately for those, the funnels are fairly simple, right? Yeah. There's some there's some tweaking and optimizing that you could do, but ours before, I think it took eight steps to get to the checkout, whereas most it's add to cart, press the checkout button, and now you're on the checkout page. Before for us, it was like, what's your name? What's this? What's this? But like, there was nothing that was like intuitive so that was like the biggest thing and the second thing remind, remind you this is back in 2017 so take this with a you know big grain of salt is we we started doing videos and in our early days we spent ten thousand dollars on like professional video and it did horrible like we put a lot of money towards it we were like you know when we were in 2015 2016 we were in the mindset of like oh we're gonna be the next dollar shave club right as everyone thought or everyone thinks and it's like no sorry Video didn't go viral. No one's probably seen the video. It was probably a total waste of money. But what worked really well was honestly just your crappy videos of like, you know, taking your yeah. phone and um, like literally we used to we used to name the ads crappy video this because that's just <laughs> what worked. Yeah. Interesting actually. I think we're gonna come into this a little bit later, but you made like a short comment where you said like now you do a little bit on the website so like it sounds as though it started primarily d to c and now it's became less of a focus for you yeah um you know today we'll just say like november 11 2021 it is completely different than what it was back in the day um i a big thing for us is like we like seeing roi and we like seeing payback, but we also love getting new customers. And so it's this hard place for us, right? So we used to spend a substantial amount of money every month on advertising and um, it would just, you know, ebbs and flows, you know, as, as usual, which is fine. But recently with the, all the iOS changes, it's been, you know, 
substantially harder to do that. So um, while we still have focus on it, we still do a lot of email, SMS, um, you know, working on doing some stuff with like brand ambassadors and stuff like that. The Facebook Instagram channel is just, it's very, very difficult to make like, you know, a positive ROI. Um, even when you're looking at it on an MER basis, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, difficult times, isn't it? And we were just talking about this before we came on to the call in that regard. So yeah, it's going to be interesting, I think, at the beginning of next year when it really starts to hurt people's cash flow. Will I mean, I think there's going to be big winners and losers, but that's a, another topic for another day. So I'll let Leah take over from here. Um. So you were obviously mentioning uh, different like SMS, your email and stuff like that. Which of the marketing channel, ooh, which of the marketing channels from the beginning to where you are now, do you think have been more effective? So in the early days, it was definitely like your Facebook and Instagram, right? Um, honestly, we were, like, uh, for, for all the listeners out there, understand like for Garrett and myself, we were two college kids that did okay in school at best. And, uh, and had no marketing background. We kind of went out there totally blind. So in the early days, we actually thought that email, because SMS went from really big back in 2016, or at least we didn't think it was. Um, and we thought it was just nonsense because we always delete the emails. But what's funny is we would only delete the emails we didn't like. Um, so in the early days was Facebook today, no questions asked, it's email and SMS. Like that is our primary focus. How do we get in touch in some way um, with those customers. And then of course, like, you know, there are going to be people out there that are going to say like, Oh, email and SMS are not good. Or I don't want to annoy my customers or whatever it might be totally fine. You can look at it however you want, but usually it's probably a little bit more of like an error, uh, like a, like a user error, like my error and doing the emails or something. But yeah. I mean, and I think that's going to be a tried and true way throughout. There's always going to be like the next thing, but, uh, Jeff Bezos had this quote that I was listening to a couple of weeks ago and he had a genius way of looking at it. And he goes, everyone's looking for what is the next big thing, right? Oh, is it going to be like Tesla? Is it Rivian? Is it whatever? Right. But the way that he looks at it is quite the opposite. And he looks at it as what is not going away and let's invest big there. And so if you look at the Amazon model, he has a couple of things that he keeps very consistent. People are always going to want lower prices. People are always going to want faster shipping. And so look at where they're investing their resources, more planes, for faster shipping and consistently trying to find these good brands with lower prices. And it's like, when it was said like that, it makes total sense. People are always going to have their email on the phone. It's not to say that people aren't going to create filters or whatever, but you get that, you got SMS. I don't think that those are going to go away for a long time. Will they be less effective? Of course, but I think that'll be the longest. Last yeah. I, I definitely think what you're saying there with, I mean, we've spoken about it um, between me and Adam saying about the shipping and things like that. That is always going to progressively be present on everyone's mind. We're getting to a point now where it's like people want things instantly. They want it yeah. there. No, I mean, I don't know what it's like in, in America at the moment, but over here it's like the high streaks kind of dying off because no one's going out. No one's going buying things. Yeah. They just want it. They want it to be in the house and it's there and it's done. Um, but yeah, I mean, have you have you kind of seen anything like that? I mean, you you're obviously doing a subscription, so is that like a are the people kind of wanting things sooner, or do they want it before something's running out, or do they want it on the day? Like, is yeah, there, has there been any kind so. of feedback for that? 
if you see if you see like overall customer demands in like America, everyone's wanting things like as fast as possible. I mean, you know, Amazon now has like same day. Walmart has some stuff with same day. Um, they're going to start coming up with like these multi-channel fulfillment centers and stuff from whether it's Instacart, DoorDash, whatever it may be, where it's like even us, we can do some stuff, but we have to be in all those DCs or whatever it may be. I think that'll continue to be a thing. I know for me, I never did any of the grocery delivery. Um, I just, it just was never really a thought to me. It's just, I've always gone to the grocery store to go get my groceries, but I did it a couple times for the business. And I'm like, wait, why was I wasting my time before going? And it's like, we used to have these assistants to go, you know, get the supplies and do all this stuff. And I mean, it's been long lasting, right? But like, I think once people start to get the hang of it, they're like, wait, I didn't go into the grocery store and get tricked into buying not just milk, but 42 other things. Yeah. 41 that I didn't need. Yeah. yeah. I think there's the, the thing as well of being told you need something before you've even noticed it. So obviously at the moment there's, um, you know, I mean, we set up flows that are, oh, you're running out of something, remember to go and buy that. But I think that'll slowly maybe turn into, ah, you're getting to the end of it, we've already sent it, it's on its way to you, you've, you've got it before you even knew you needed it. And yeah. I mean, oh, what a crazy life. The computers know what we need before we do. Oh, totally. I know it's insane. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's actually interesting actually talking about the the shipping because I know in the states, I mean, it's such a big country compared to the UK. Um, people here, and and maybe you guys are actually a little bit more patient with things. I know it's not like abnormal to wait three to five days, but here it's pretty much you know next day delivery instantaneously. Or people is that really okay? People get pissed off and like they wish just won't shop. Um, and you know, like paying for expedited shipping again is another thing that really just turns people away. So it's interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I think... mean, like for us, I know we're. I, I I don't know exactly like how it is overall, but I know for me, I'm like I'll buy one product if I can get it today rather than tomorrow or the next day. You know. So, yeah. And and I know on our site, people are. You know, we used to have an option that would just take longer, but it would be way cheaper and cheaper on the shipping. And, you know, you're, it's taken seven days. Sorry, but this isn't 2005 anymore. You know, it's like yeah. people are like, that's not okay. Especially for a consumable-based product like, you know, like you guys have. So, um, yeah. yeah, so I suppose on the same lines, like the distribution strategy has clearly changed you from starting off like natively on D2C. So when did you, you said 2019, was it that you went into retail? Yeah, mid 2018, we had hit a point and really like the, the point for us was, and this you'll see typical within almost all subscription companies mm. is you hit this point of diminishing returns, right? Like you're growing and then like you grow and then you grow like this and then yeah. it starts tapering off like that. And at some point, um, the reality is it's a cash flow game. It's not a profitability game. We were, we were profitable on the long term of the customer. We've always focused on that. Um, that wasn't as much a thing. Like today, I think that's very common because no one really wants to buy a company that's not profitable or whatever. But if you look at previous acquisitions in the last five years, there have been a lot of companies that are like, oh, well, you're just massive. Dollar Shave Club is one of them. And um, incredibly impressive. But um, you know, it, it comes in a different, in, in a different way, I guess. Um, so we in 2018, mid 2018, hit this point where we were like, 
okay, we're growing still and we're growing at a reasonable rate, adding on a bit of revenue every month, but we just like, we were losing so much, so many like customers, not in terms of like percentage, like our percentage is lower than industry average for sure. But we like, it was just so hard to grow. And we're like, we want to keep growing. We don't want to leave this at a couple million dollar business. And so that's whenever we decided to kind of switch. And the first thing that we actually did was we put in one product, our melatonin on Amazon, because people were, people were talking about how like, oh, I love, I love your melatonin, but I don't want it in a daily pack. Could I just get that separate? And so we're like, cool. They love the fact that it's less plastic waste. They love the fact that um, like, it's a really good effective vitamin, but they just don't want to take it with their Omega multi D, whatever else. And so we we're like, cool, we'll go ahead and do that. And it launched really well. And then it was like, hmm, maybe we're onto something. And so then we gradually kind of launched some of the other products and started doing fairly well on Amazon as a whole. And, uh, and you know, the reason why we kind of gradually switched all that was how do we get our product in the hands of as many people as possible? And, um, you know, we wanted to make sure that we went the right way first. We didn't want to hit the Walmart customers first or the Max or the Ross or like, you know, um, those we wanted to kind of go a little bit higher in. Like our big goal was to get Target and we're super, super fortunate to get that in uh, mid 2020. But that's been, that was definitely like the big goal there. Out of curiosity, being in like so many prominent retail locations, does that have a positive net knock-on effect onto the websites as well? Because I'm assuming, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe you can offer a more cost-efficient saving on this subscription model of the business compared to retail, or is that not the case? Um, well, you've got, it's, um, yeah, probably, like short answer, but no, because they're going to require certain um like we we have map pricing so it's like minimum advertised price and if i say minimum advertised price is 12.99 i'm not gonna do that on my site nor theirs so like if you go to target yeah. you're gonna get it for the same price as our site so there is definitely this like this hard part of like how do you get someone to want to buy on your site versus amazon or target like if i'm in target sorry but i'm not going to go to your site and order from your site i'm here let me pick it up i'll get it now i may even get a dollar or two off if i'm you know there at the right time um when it comes to um other things though i will say like there are creative ways that we have been able to obtain like customer information whether it's through qr codes or whatever it may be um and, and that's been that's been super, super interesting to see. Can you elaborate a bit more on that? If, if yeah. you're willing to share this QR code strategy, I've heard a few people bring it up recently. What are you doing with that? So I think we were truly probably one of the first to actually do it. Um, we are a DTC first brand that then went into Amazon, that then went into um, to retail. And we try to take strategies from each and every area and bringing it to others um, while being like ethical and doing things under like terms of service, whatever it may be. So what we would do is, here, but we would have stickers on the back of our packaging and it would say, you know, peel here, scan here for a free bag of vitamins. And the idea is we want people to come in and become a brand ambassadors for us. And yeah. so whether they're, you know, they have 500 followers and they're, 
you know, they know people local in their community or they have 100,000 followers. That was kind of like the idea. But what it would do is the QR code would lead them directly to um, your text. And so, you know, using Postscripts or Attentive, you scan the QR code, it opens up a text on your phone, you immediately send it. Now I've automatically got your contact information. Now there's a couple of things that you could say here, right? Like the classic DTC way is cool. Now I can remarket them and send them to our site. Another way that you could look at it is, oh, when we have a Target deal next week and it's $2 off, I can send a text out and be like, go ahead to Target for your $2 off. No deals on our site this week. The Target, you'll find a deal. Um, that's, that's, you know, pretty great when you can get thousands of customers, you know, Lays has never been able to get the customer data, you know, like these big, massive Coke, whatever. And so it's like, what's a way that we can engage them? And, and, you know, we're always trying to, trying to like engage people even more, whatever it may be. I've seen other people do it. Um, so for example, this is another company, Hilo. And if you look on the back of their package, they've got a QR code to learn more, right? Yeah. This does not work well. People will then go out there and they're like, well, <laughs> well, <laughs> if, if someone's doing the QR code, let me do it on mine. I guarantee you this right here. I bet you if they're selling even 100,000 bottles a month, I bet they're getting less than 50 customers on their site. There's something about having like an additional sticker to it or a like peel, whatever, peel off sticker um, that gets people more engaged. There's just something about it. Super, super interesting. Um, yeah, sure, someone's going to steal that. I think that oh, is yeah. a super interesting thing. I think as well, I mean, I don't know what the deal with um, America again, but QR codes have become like a huge thing in the UK, especially like after Corona, going out, you have to scan a QR code yeah. to basically log in and say that you've been somewhere or if you want a menu, stuff like that. Like restaurants and bars have had QR codes. So like it's kind of it's really interesting to see it used in a different way, but it's also like when something's really, really present and really like happening. Oh, that's great. I'm just checking my water bottle to see if there's one on there that isn't. Yeah. I didn't even use QR codes before COVID. Like now they're just yeah. everywhere. I didn't either. Yeah. Well, and it was, it was a technology that I always thought was so cool that no one used. So we wouldn't yeah. have ever done anything. Like people were putting QR codes on their business card years ago and people are like, that just looks funky because I'm not scanning that. Well now, and if you have like an enticing offer or something cool on it, you get even better response, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think even, even with certain things, like it's like sometimes you'll go to bars and you'll do it and like something really funky will come up on Instagram and it's like, oh, everyone's like, oh, where have you got that from? Why is that on your story? And you're like, oh, I scanned this. And it's yeah. become like a a real thing and then i think people have kind of caught onto it a little bit more and like they've got personalized ones yeah adam when he's our own magnet monster qr codes i think that's the next step i'm not really the tech person you'll have to speak to andy but um we'll figure it <laughs> out <laughs> um anyway moving on <laughs> um so in regards to software what are three pieces of software that you don't think your business could live without so I'm gonna give you two answers. Um, one is gonna be like the basics that everyone knows about probably, or the very basis of every like D2C type company. And for us, it's gonna be Shopify for your website. That's like a, for us, we're very hardcore do that. Um, we spent $250,000 on a custom built site in the start. 
and it was the biggest waste of money as i think that you guys can both see um the second one is quickbooks obviously for your accounting you know like we are very much like day one we were making zero sales we didn't even have invest like we didn't have investors at the time quickbooks was like the first thing still haven't left that and the third is ship station right those are just three like very very basic things if i go into some ones that like are actually what i would consider useful for myself if i was listening um, I think Dovetail is one of the best softwares for influencer marketing slash brand ambassadors. Um, there's a number of different things that you can do um, on there to like find these influencers, um, brand ambassadors, whatever you want to call it. Um, I can look up another company. So if I want to look up Ollie specifically and see everyone that's ever posted a post on Ollie, I can then go get them, put them into a list and get you know the emails for all those people. Um, there's a couple of things that we do like very, very creatively with that. Again, we mix the D2C with the Amazon, with the retail to try to make our marketing strategy as strong as possible. Um, the other one is like just Amazon, right? Is just Helium 10. That's a huge one. Um, there's, there's a number of things, um, that you can learn throughout it. I think it's really good just for overall data. So when I'm going out and launching a new product in retail, if it doesn't have a certain amount of search volume, I won't even actually suggest it. If it's. This high growth, I'll launch there. So I do two different strategies. I use an Amazon strategy. So maybe it's just for example, it may have 5,000 searches a month for a certain type of product. Whereas like melatonin gummies may have hundreds of thousands of searches a month. And it's like melatonin gummies is what I may put into retail, but I may do like a tart cherry or something different, like a small product onto Amazon. So those are, those are two other ones that I would suggest. That's very interesting, actually. So you're using that to like de-risk launching new products. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Well, so I use it for Amazon, to be honest. Yeah. That's where that's where I started, right? But what's really useful is, and, and, and one thing to understand is um, with Helium 10, you can go in there and there's like ways that you can search on Amazon or whatever. Amazon and retail are different games. So you do have yeah. to understand, like if I'm in the supplement space, in order to win on Amazon, you've got to be above $15. In order to win in retail, you have to be below $15. They don't mix well. And so um, that's the base of it. But I think there are some things where like you can see consumer demand and that's super, super powerful. Do you ever use and leverage like email and SMS as a way to just find out what customers want you to release next, like in terms of flavoring? Yeah. Different type of SKUs and just say, you know, what would you like to see next? And then go ahead and create it based on their answers. And in terms of email and SMS, um, we'll usually leave that one strictly to email. Mm -hmm. But what's funny with it is it has, not always, but it has been some of our highest revenue things as well, which is so interesting. And it's, I think it's just getting in the psychology of these people and they're like, well, I love, I love that you want my opinion. And they go on and they buy something or we leave a 20% off coupon since you gave us a survey or give you five bucks or whatever. But it's, it's actually super useful. And you kind of hear like one of the things we asked what flavor people wanted. And one of the highest responses was watermelon. And I'm like, yeah. what? Watermelon? Would I, that would have been the last one of the last flavors that would have launched. But I'm like, well, if that's what people want. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. Super interesting. And then you can obviously... Uh, minimize like any this there's loads of statistics isn't there and how so many new product launches fail because the founder yeah. or you know think it's going to be a great idea but actually it just flops um, another one, yeah 
actually I'll say another software. This is an Amazon type software, but it's called PicFu, P-I-C-K-F-U.com. And they do like A-B testing. So if I want to test like a jar, this, uh, a white jar versus black jar, I can see what consumers will see. And, you know, if it's like a 55, 45, I wouldn't take that as fact. But I've done some stuff where I was like, I love this one. It looks amazing. And then I do a test on it. And it is like 10% of people liked it. And I'm like, whoa. So that's always a super yeah. useful one too. And you can, you can target like, hey, I want women from 25 to 40 years old that have a dog and, I don't know, have a prime account. Just crazy information. So definitely need to list this software because you're dropping some serious knowledge bombs especially on amazon after this <laughs> i hey i use it for everything though yeah so. that, that's that's super interesting i've never even heard that one before to be completely honest so pick foo right p-i-c-k-f-u yep. i'm making a note adam don't worry <laughs> <laughs> so the subscription-based model um let's talk specifically about the d2c side yeah there's, there's a lot of talk on this at the moment. So how soon up the funnel should you try and push customers onto this? And I know a lot of the conversation has changed recently, I think, at, at least what I'm seeing on LinkedIn and in the space, like, you know, just naturally let the consumers go onto the subscription rather than incessantly, like, trying to push them onto it in the beginning. What's worked for you guys? Like, how, and, and if you don't mind me, like, asking, like, what split is there between one time single ad hoc purchases compared to like the subscription model? When do you typically see people move on to that subscription model? Yeah, I, I looked at the numbers. It's been a little bit since I've looked at them. I, I may be a little bit off on this, but the idea is still there. Um, so don't quote me on numbers, but um, when we did a one-time purchase, so we have one-time and um, subscription available. Um, if you go onto our website, vitify.com, you'll be able to see that there is the, um, on all pages, not just the product pages themselves, like on the catalog page, you'll see one time or subscription. Yeah. When we were doing one time, we we're getting like 15 to 20%, if I'm not mistaken, um, to subscribe. When we moved it to the subscribe and save first, you're getting like 40 plus percent. Wow. And again, those numbers may be a little bit off. I'll have to go back and actually double check it. But um, it's something crazy like that. Now, exactly as you said, right? Like you get companies like Olipop that are like, no, we're not going to force you into subscription. First off, we're not forcing you either. We look at the biggest company out there. Amazon puts everyone as subscribe and say first. Yeah. And the average amount of buys per year is something like four, four and a half on Amazon. I have a feeling that Amazon's done with a little bit more data than we have. We never want to push someone to a subscription if they haven't. Like, it, hey, if you want to, if you want to find out the quickest way to save yourself, whatever it is, ten or fifteen percent on our site, go subscribe and save and cancel it right away. You know what I mean? Like, that's always your fifteen percent off, ten percent off coupon or whatever. Um, because, like, at the end of the day, it's like there's five percent of customers that actually do that, right? Like, most people are like honest, great people that like you know, aren't trying to scam the system or whatever. So I, I've got a little bit of a different look on it. I see it from both sides though. I think that both, both are important. Our thing is there's a, there's a lot of companies out there that push subscription for things that aren't needed to be subscription, um, yeah. which is fine, right? Like, again, a lot of these people are data, like using the data and they're like, hey, we're able to get this much more revenue. Like that's what most people are looking at, right? For us, we look at it as like, we truly want to help people 
to be able to sleep better at night, to feel better during the day, to, um, you know, be more active. Like we want all of those things together to make someone's life better. And so we see ours more as like, Hey, it's a necessity. It's not a soda. It's not a, you know, fun drink that you get to have or whatever that you really don't need to be on subscription. But the reality is like, you know, 70% of Americans take vitamins every day. So why not just make it easier to do this? Yeah. Yeah. Just solving a fundamental problem. Now I, I agree with what you're saying completely. I think ultimately, you know, the consumers go into decide what's best for them. So if they want to go on the subscription, they will. And if they don't, they won't. And like you said, they'll just cancel if they don't, because it's just yeah. the same, right? Like you got a coupon if you're a first time customer, which is 10% and it doesn't apply to the subscription. So it pretty much works out the same either way. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think it's, I think especially with health and things like that, it's like you have a, a subscription for your gym. You have, you know, if you ever have to take tablets, it's on a prescription and you know exactly when it runs out, it's there, yeah. you go and pick it up, you go to the gym, it's like the money aspect. There's like a thing of, you can't put a price on your health. Do you know yeah. what I mean? You, you just have to, it's just a thing and when you take the steps of reordering and doing this that and the other it literally it's like well that that's just normal that's just what you do anyway you'd you'd right. go to whenever you go and do your shopping you you automatically go and buy vet fruit and veg so save yourself the time of going down the supplements and the, the vitamins aisle and just get it to, sent to your door exactly that's exactly how we look at it yeah cool let's move on to the next one um, so what would your advice be to new founders in the consumer packaged goods space? Yeah, I, I'm going to, I'm going to put this as just an overall, this is something that we just recently are learning and it's the most cliche thing. This is going to be stupid. People are going to think it's like, well, that was no value, but this is something seriously, like take whatever idea you have right now and for us, I'll, I'll give you an example. We launched Vitify, right? It's a great product. It's It's got good value. It's eco-friendly. It's, you know, whatever. Like, let's not look at the subscription side. Let's just look at retail specifically. It's good, right? But if you go in there and you go and you watch someone go pick up and they see this is $12.99 and this is $10.99 and they turn it over and they look at the ingredients on them and they go, huh, this is five milligrams. This is five milligrams. What's the difference? They're plus or minus the same ingredients. When you look at store shelves, most things in there are virtually the same, right? We now are launching a new product early next year um, that we'll be, we'll be announcing probably in a month or so that has a true differentiated value. I'll tell you what I did thinking I could hack the system, be a good marketer, whatever, which was fine back 10 years ago, is you could launch something and just be really good at like, I would even say just advertising, not even marketing. Yeah. Um, I think that like the product just has to be, lo and behold, like just better, like a true value that people are actually asking for. Again, with the Helium 10 software, go onto your competitors, um, go onto your competitors' um, listings on Amazon and find out what are all the bad reviews. Um, for example, it tastes like crap. Oh, this is horrible. Like, okay, cool. Then fix the taste on it. Oh, you know, um, it has way too many carbs. Okay, fix the carbs in it. You know, like yeah. if you look at Smart Sweets, they they launched a low sugar candy. 
I was huge. Everyone was complaining about sugar. Oh, I love Swedish fish, but I hate the sugar. Cool. They launched products in that area. Um, people like to go out there and just think like their ideas are the best, including myself. And I launch it and I'm like, I was, I'm, I'm looking at launching this new product. And there was this one, you know, again, like this, we launched this, this is the container or the package, whatever you want to call it. This is a complete pain to fill. So like we have to hand fill each and every one of these. Like we have tens of thousands of these being filled um, manually still to this day when I could run a line of vitamins, 300 bottles a minute. Yeah. So it's like I'm getting, I'm getting like five bags done a minute compared to 300. And when it sits on shelf, as much as it may look pretty on Amazon or on our site, when it sits on shelf, sometimes it sits like this. It's like major issues that sound cool. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we're so innovative. It's like, I don't think it's as much worry about the innovation as it is like, just make it a little bit better. One of my favorite business models ever in the US, and I don't even know if it's outside of Texas, it may be, is this company called Take 5 Oil Change. Okay, I don't know about you guys, but over here, oil changes take an hour and a half on your Saturday morning. I hate wasting my time on a Saturday. First off, if I'm going to do chores on a Saturday, I want to be done by like 8 a.m. And so um, I know my dad, it's like as a kid, it's like we'd go there, he'd get a car wash, get his oil change, and we'd sit there for an hour and a half, two hours. All they do is oil changes in five minutes. But it is such good value. It's like, cool, you're not wasting my time. I pay a little bit more. I don't care because you don't waste an hour and a half of my time. I love it. I love it. And um, ultimately, I... I completely agree with you and i think going back to what you said of just solving simple problems if you look at huel as well right so like a huge player yeah. in the supplement space i think um correct me if i'm wrong but i believe they just basically made vegan tasting products taste good and apart from everything else in their positioning they basically just took a, a very common problem that people want to take more vegan type protein and supplements and Everyone knew they tasted like crap in the market and chalky and really, you know, tasting the earth basically and make them taste nice. And in my opinion, that's why they've grew to the size they are. Yeah. No, they're, I mean, they're huge. It's funny because I don't know a whole lot about them, but I just know that they've absolutely crushed it in like every way. Yeah. It's actually unbelievable how fast they have grew. So with that being said, coming on to the final question. And I think you've sort of answered a lot of these, like as we went along, but if you could just summarize, Nick, if you had to do everything from the beginning, what would you change and why? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd keep the same product. I'd keep um, a lot of the same things that we did. I don't know if I would have launched with the um, direct consumer subscription um, pouch, not from a marketing perspective, but from an operational standpoint. A yeah. total headache, super capital intensive. Then like we had a manufacturer, but we were co-packing ourselves, just massive headaches. I would have made everything, like if I were to do it today, I would find a supplier and hope that they can make the product, fill the product with them. And then all I do is the marketing. And then what I would say is honestly, back in the time in 2015, 16, I wish that we would have invested a lot more in like the early channels. Um, so like the Facebook and Instagram really early on and figured that out right away. Use like the experts in the field. A lot of people want to do everything themselves, like myself. Like I'm, I'm the first one to blame myself on that. Um, I would, I would outsource where I can. And, um, the last things I've seen 16, I would have launched on Amazon. Um, but today I look at it as like, you know, 
I spend a little bit of test money on some new markets and then continue with the things that we know works and just have a product that's just like undeniably amazing. Yeah. Love it. Straightforward, simple, and makes complete sense. Yeah. So, um, first of all, thank you so much for sharing all your insights. I think it was, you know, very humble story and so many amazing strategies in there, software as well, which would be great if you could list um, afterwards again. And um, if yeah. anyone wants to find out more about the company, what's the best way to contact you? Yeah, if they, if they want to chat with me, LinkedIn is always easy. Nicole, I'm an NIK, so it's really easy to find me there. Um, LinkedIn's the best. I'm not, I'm on social media, but very little. And then obviously anything with the company, feel free to reach out to the site. There's some a big, big thing that we're launching um, probably early next year, but we'll be announcing next month. So email, SMS, sign up for that stuff, and you'll, you'll be the first one out there. So Amazing. So I'll make sure to post the sign up in the to the newsletter sorry after this in the comments so everyone can see give you a tag nick if anyone wants to drop any questions feel free to follow up and leave them in the comments otherwise thanks once again for your time really appreciate it and we're going to end things here awesome thanks guys cheers